Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. Welcome back, Week 7 National Football League. We are here for the No Quarter Given Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers, along with my co-host, Peter Blake. We'll get to Peter in just one second. You're listening to the podcast as part of the BuckPower.com Podcast Network. Our Bucks are 5-1 and one after a Thursday night victory in Philadelphia. Kind of a little, little closer than it got needed to be there towards the end there, Peter, but we're off to five and one with a nice 10 day break between week six and week seven. Welcome back, Peter. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to be back and you're exactly right. Too close for comfort. 28 to 22 bucks go to five and one. And really the story of this game was the bucks penalty situation, more yards than the offense for the Philadelphia Eagles. It really kept that offense uh, in the game, if you will. And the injury situation didn't improve with lit, uh, losing a Richard Sherman. But with all that being said, Jason Powers, having defensive injuries, offensive injuries, some really key ones, you're still 5-1 and one looking at the Chicago Bears coming at Raymond James on Sunday. So you're in great shape at this point. No doubt, no doubt. And you got some help in the division. You got Carolina lost another game. They're 3-3. Three and three. New Orleans coming was out of bye week. So I think they're 3-2 three and three and what, 2-2 two and two or 3-2? Two? 2-2. and, two. Two and two. Yeah. Okay. Comfortable lead either way. Comfortable, you know, I, I don't think there's any doubt that the Bucks are the cream of the crop of the division. You got the Bears this week. You got a, you know, the next couple of weeks, you got you got a favorable schedule. So things are looking up for our Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the Bears come to town Sunday afternoon, 425. I think this is a Tony Romo Jim Nance game. I think. I think it's a CBS game. It's one of those crossover games. I think I saw a promotion. I heard, I think I heard. Romo and Nance talking about they were going to be in Tampa this week. I may don't quote me on that, but I thought I heard him say that last week when they were doing the uh, their four o'clock game. And you know it always goes back to last year, right? I mean the Bucks losing on Thursday night football, twenty to nineteen. That was also a nationally televised game. Uh, you hear reports tonight that Robert Quinn, five and a half sacks, is going to be on the COVID list, so he may not play on Sunday. That's a big time advantage. Of course, the Bears coming in with a rookie quarterback. And a Justin Fields, who somewhat struggled versus the Packers. Uh, and let's uh, hope that this defense for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Todd Bowles, has something schematically cooked up, if you will, for this rookie quarterback to confuse him and, of course, keep him contained. They didn't do a lot of that versus a Jalen Hurts. He really hurt them, if you will, with his feet. Yeah, you got the, you got you got Jalen. I mean, you got uh, Justin Fields coming off the 24-14 loss at home last week to the Packers, your boy Aaron Rodgers owns Chicago, apparently. He owns the franchise and yes. the city with the after the touchdown run, talking smack to the fans of Chicago. So, uh, you know, you're right. This is, a, this is an interesting week with for, for Todd Bowles. Do they play – do they go more zone defense? Do they play man? Do they 
you know, really heated up as far as the blitz game goes. Be interesting matchup to see how they go. And there's a chance Rob Gronkowski's back for the Buccaneers on Sunday as well. Yeah, and that's going to be a big-time get because, look, O.J. Howard definitely stepped up. But, again, against a talented defense, you're going to need that extra tight end. And a Gronk, we know not only his pass-catching ability, but as an inline blocker, he is second to none. So you would like to have him back in that offense. But, you know, that offense has just keep it just keeps on getting better and better. And even against that defense, you would think that you would have some type of home field advantage, especially if the Bucks defense shows up. They had an opportunity to have a lot of sacks versus a Jalen Hurts. They can get that same pressure on Justin Fields and stifle that offense. That puts more pressure on that defense, which you leave them on that field for that much time, that would favor that Bucks offense. No doubt about it. No doubt. So Let's get to the history of the Bucks and the Bears. This is the 61st meeting. The Bears lead the overall series 40 to 20. Huh. You know, they, you know uh, I remember the Bears as part of the NFC Central back in the day. Before we went to the NFC South, you had the Central with the, all the Northern teams, Detroit, Green Bay, Minnesota, Chicago, and then you had the, the team down South here in Tampa. That was part of the kind of the expansion when the Bucs got slotted in with expansion, they kind of got slotted in with the NFC, NFC Central Division. Some classic matchups back in the day. Back, I remember, you know, growing up, I remember all those Green Bay, Chicago, Detroit matchups. And we're going to get in here. Obviously, we're going to get into the to the Bears as well. What are your, your memories from the, you know, back in the day, you growing up with the Bears? Lots of losses. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, 40 and 20. You know, this is not a sterling mark, if you will, and not a lot of great memories until Tony Dungy, of course, came to town. You had those defensive teams, but you always remember Mike Dicka. You remember earlier on uh, Walter Payton, uh, Mike Singletary, and then later on uh, you had a Brian Urlacher, a Lance Briggs. So not necessarily the best memories. Right. Although looking back at it, 1989, I had no idea. The Bucks actually swept them. And usually when the Bears come to town, the great thing was, we always talk about this, Jason Powers, there was a lot of blackouts. When the Bears came to town, there was no blackout because half or the majority of the stadium were Chicago Bear fans. Yeah, I was going to talk. That was going to be one of the points I wanted to talk about how they always, all the Northern teams, especially when they played down here, they would always draw a big crowd. Chicago, Detroit, the big Northern cities, especially Chicago, with it being an every year visit, they used to invade Tampa Stadium, the old Tampa Stadium, when the Bears would come to town. And many of the years in the 80s, especially when the Buccaneers were not any good, you would have times when more than half the crowd would be Chicago Bear fans. Yeah, yeah, I know. And it was disappointing, but that's the sign of the times. I mean, that's the way it was back then. Uh, the Bucks, of course, being the uh, laughing stock of the National Football League. And of course, the Chicago Bears during that heyday of the 85 uh, Super Bowl shuffle with Mike Ditka and that talented defense that included, once again, Singletary, Richard Dent, uh, the Fridge Perry, of course. Uh, Steve, Jim McMahon. Uh, yeah, uh, yes, uh, Steve McMichael. Just so many talented names defensively and offensively. So, And they were still beating the Bucks up at that time. So. Yeah, 1983. Let's go to 1983. The Bucs were kind of at the end of their, uh, the, kind of the tail end of their playoff run there, starting in 79, 83. They win a late season game in overtime. Bill Capice kicks a game winner against the Bears in early January. 
to send the Bucks to the playoffs for the third time in four years. Yeah, and of course, I believe they lost to the Dallas Cowboys in the first round like they did the year before, much like the Philadelphia Eagles uh, with the uh, Bucks and Tony Dungy. So, yeah, you beat the Bears, you get to the playoffs, and then you lose to the Cowboys. But a good win, of course, anytime you can beat a division rival, especially the Chicago Bears, you'll take it. No doubt. 1985, we all remember the Bears were the dominant team in 85, winning the 86 Super Bowl. They lost, I believe, one regular season game. The only game they lost was that memorable Monday night game in Miami. Dan Marino lit up the, the 46 defense on that memorable Monday night. But opening day that year in 1985, the Bucks and the Bears tangled, and the Bucks have a 28-17 lead at the half, scored 28 points in the first game of that year, led by James Wilder. And then, of course, we melt down in the second half and lose 38-28. That's kind of amazing, isn't it, against the Bears defense like that? But it just tells you at that point they weren't as good as they were going to be during that season. And sometimes teams start off a little bit slow. And to blow a lead like that, I mean, it's it's so Bucks. It's it's Bucks fashion, <laughs> honestly. And that was, that was Lehman Bennett's first game as head coach following John McKay's retirement. So, you know, there was, you know, was there expectations? Who knows? But, you know, Lehman, Lehman's Lemons, as we remember, as we all remember, Lehman's Lemons for his <laughs> two-year run as the coach of the Bucks. Yeah, and the Bucks fans like, man, it's a new day in Tampa Bay, which, you know, by the way, Sam Weiss saying when Weiss came here and fans were thinking, oh, Lehman Bennett's a great coach. They're beating the Chicago Bears. <laughs> and then at the end of the game, Lehman Bennett is a bum. We need to fire this guy. That's typical yeah. bucks. Not right? good. Not good. Not, not good. The one interesting thing about them, the, those early, those mid eighty games, that was really the emergence of James Wilder. Mm. We, that that you know became a household name for the Buccaneer franchise and around the league. Remember, Ricky Bell was kind of the running back in the early eighties for the Bucks, but James Wilder that in those mid eighties that for that five, four, five, six year stretch, he was the centerpiece of the Buccaneer offense. Jason, with the removal of John Gruden, do you think the Bucs should consider putting James Wilder in the ring of honor? And in your opinion, why hasn't he been put in the ring of honor with his statistics? That's a good question. I mean, I mean, I would imagine he's on a list. The one thing I would, I, I would, I don't know all the details, but I think he's had a couple of off field things. I don't know about necessarily in trouble, like arrested, but I think he's been involved in a couple of, off-field things over the years here in the Tampa Bay area. Um, many of you that are in the Tampa area may remember his son, James Wilder Jr., was a big-time high school player at Plant High School, went off to Florida State, played for four years, went and played the Canadian Football League, and he kind of he had a cup of coffee in the NFL. So we remember that name, James Wilder Jr. But James Wilder, is a, it's a, it's a, that's a great point you make. I don't know all the details behind that, but you would think he would be a, a definite candidate to be in the ring of honor if those off the field issues are not an issue. Well, compared to John Gruden at this point, I mean. Well, I mean, now, yeah, and Gruden. <laughs> true. I'm just saying, I true. mean, statistically, You're right. besides a James Wilder, does a Hardy Nickerson, does a Warwick Dunn, is, you know, the removal of Gruden, who is on your list? If not Wilder, who would be the next guy on your list to get in the ring of honor? I would probably say a guy like Warwick Dunn would probably be the next guy. I mean, a guy like him. Um, you know, I'm trying to think, I don't know all the guys is, is Lynch in, is Lynch in yet? Has, have they put Lynch in? 
I believe they have. Okay. I believe. Ronde is Ron is Ronde in? Ronde's in. Yeah. Yeah. I would think a guy like Wart done. The only thing with Wart, he was only here four and a half, five years, so maybe that's you know a deterrent um, about because of his longevity because he left and went to the Falcons. You know who knows what if there's any bad feelings there within the organization. I don't know. But well, he came back. I mean, a second he had a second stint with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. True, true. Oh, I would then, say Dunn. I would say Dunn or Hardy Nickerson because people don't remember Nickerson was one of the first free agents we ever signed. Like when, when they really started free agency in the early '90s, he was the first guy to really come to Tampa, and he was a stalwart in the middle of that defense for several years and kind of try was kind of turning that culture around during the Sam Weish era and all that stuff and leading into Tony Dungy. He really was. He was a big-time free agent pickup from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And a lot of people opened their eyes and said, you know what, the Bucks could be on the right track here with the hardware, man. And I know for a fact, talking to former uh, Buccaneer great Chidi Ahanatu, he feels like Nickerson should be in the ring of honor. He talked about Nickerson and his impact on his career, how this player took him underneath his wing and really showed him the intricacies, if you will, Leo Word, of what the National Football League is all about. So definitely Hardy Nickerson worked on what he did off the field, not only on the field. And I get right. it. People say, you know, well, you, you have to have a certain time period. But for me, worked on Hardy Nickerson, James Wilder. I don't think you can go wrong with any of those. Names. No, I agree with I agree with that. 1989, the Bucks sweep the Bears. They played two wild games. The first game in October, the Bucks win 42-35 in a shootout. And then game two, later in November, a quick turnaround. The Bucks are up 13 with about six minutes to go. The game gets tied. And then Donald Igwe Buike wins 32-31 on a game winner at the end. Remember old Donald Igwe Buike, the guy from – he was a Nigerian kicker. I remember him well. That was kind of right in my day of high school football. I was a kicker in high school myself. So I always, you know, kept up with Igwe Buike and – you know, always he, he had an interesting little career with the Buccaneers. Absolutely. Big time kicks out of Clemson. The guy had a leg to kill. Uh, and of course, you know, he had his own problems off the field, but he made some bu big time Bucks kicks in the history. He did. I remember during that game, big time play. Vinny Testaverde to Mark Carrier, 78 yards to the house. And that was the connection that day. That was the connection during that year, I believe. And I'm, I'm not certain about this. Don't quote me on this, but I believe Mark Carrier was a pro bowler that year. Correct? Yeah, I think you're right. And that'd be another guy that I would consider. Mark Carrier had a very good career with the Buccaneers. He right. could be a guy, and he played a long time for the Bucs. He could be a guy, you know, maybe down the road, that he could be a guy that you could put in potentially into the ring of honor because um, he had a very long, stellar career, even though they lost, they you know, they perennial losing teams but he had a very solid NFL career with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, just imagine that. He's being put in the same breath at that time as Jerry Rice. And as a Bucs fan, you're ecstatic because there really weren't a lot of bright spots, yep. especially offensively. Paul Gruber, Mark Carrier, you know, Vinny up and down. But those are the two guys that you're really like, okay, uh, these are the guys I'm going to watch if I'm a Bucs fan. One thing I want to ask your opinion on. One thing with, I always that I it always got my my uh, you know juices flowing a little bit when it came to the schedule when it came to the Bucks playing these northern teams, whether it was us having to play up there in the cold part of the year November December or vice versa when those teams would have to come down here in early September and the heat would be a major factor 
you know, it was always interesting how the schedule would play out. When, when would the Bears come here? When did we have to go up there? You know, 1990, we go up in Chicago two days before Christmas, and it's the coldest game in Bucks history, 11 degrees. Major advantage for the Bears. And obviously the other way around for us, when they play, when, they, when those central teams, the Green Bays, the Detroits, the Chicago's, would play here in early September with the heat. But Jason, you knew back then when the Bucks played up north and they played in the cold weather, they were never going to win. And you knew it five minutes into the game because when you saw the pregame and you saw the Bucks players all wrapped up and their <laughs> mittens and everything, and they were looking like they wanted to be back in Tampa, they're going to lose that game all day long. So you didn't, you never felt good about watching this no. game. And it was a disservice by the National Football League. I could never understand that. Why could they never schedule? The Bucks in September to go to Chicago instead of November or December. It made no sense at all, but it always killed the Bucks when it came time to play. Yeah, I mean, you still see that stuff nowadays too. And you know, when Miami has to go to Buffalo in late December, or, right. or or New England has to come to Miami the first week of the year and down here in the heat. So it's they do. I mean, it's just again, I don't, I don't, I don't kill the enough for, for doing that. That's part of the allure of the rivalry is, you know, the heat games versus the cold games, you know, all that stuff. And that's, you know, every team has their own version of home field advantage. And for the Bucks, a lot of the advantage is the heat, especially early in the year. It is. You're exactly right. But uh, you know, you're happy to get out of that division because you would have to play those cold weather games up in green Bay, up in Chicago, you know, Minnesota had a dome, Detroit had a right. dome. Uh, but you felt like, you know, if you were in the playoffs at that point, you always had to get a first round by because if not, you would have to go on the road up north. Typically. More times than not, the Bucks would not win that game in the cold. Unless, of course, you're talking about the Super Bowl year. But in 1998, we transitioned from Tampa Stadium to Raymond James Stadium. First home game opening of Raymond James. The Chicago Bears come to town. The Bucs win the game 27-15. Interesting thing here, they score all 27 in the second half. Always interesting. That was – was that Trent Dilfer? It was. That Trent was Trent. Dilfer, and it was a terrible start because they were down 15 to nothing, and you were like, what the hell is going on? And that 98 year was really weird because, of course, you were coming off the playoff year of 10-6, and six, you know, beating the Lions and, of course, losing to the Packers. So the expectations at that point are just so high. You're in Raymond James Stadium. You're trying to christen this new stadium, and you're down 15 to nothing. And you were like, oh, I don't know if they're going to win it. But, of course, the Bucks' offense came back. The defense stifled the Bears, and they won 27 to 15. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. A mere two years later, the Bucks with their biggest margin of victory in franchise history, a 41-0 beatdown of the, of the Bears. The Bears were kind of in a downward period. The Bucks were – we're rising with Dungy, you know, the perennial playoff teams those couple of those years. You had the Sap, the Brooks, and all those guys on defense. The Bucks were going this way, and the Bears were kind of in decline. 41 nothing. Mm, love it. Never, yeah. never get tired of a, a blowout 41 to nothing. I don't I don't necessarily remember who scored that game. I just remember yep. sitting for the whole game and watching it. And somebody said, Well, it's a blowout. Well, I enjoy it because. Throughout those years, you could never enjoy a blowout. You would be the team that's getting blown out. So you enjoy those type of things on Sunday, uh, 41 to nothing, a shellacking of the Chicago Bears. Love it. I mean, when you really think about this, 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 this series the last 20 years or so, it's really been highlighted by defensive studs. 
Erlocker, Sapp, Brooks, you know, Simeon Rice, the Bears defense, Khalil Mack of today. You know, it's been a very defensive oriented franchises over the years. The Bucks and Bears are never, other than the Bucks now, the Bucks and both these franchises have kind of laid their hat on the defensive side of the ball. Can you remember 2001? Because I got a story to tell. I was working at Hooters at the time in Palm Harbor. What? Yes. Hooters? Yes, I was working as a bus boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know why. I know why you. I know which where your head was tilted all the time as the bus boy. <laughs> well, of course, but on Sundays you get a chance to watch the Bucks game, and the big boss is a Bears fan, and I believe the Bears that year with Jim Miller were 13 and three. I mean, yeah. they were the talk of the National Football League with that defense and that offense doing things. Uh, Booker at the time, Michael Booker, the wide Marty receiver. Booker, Marty Booker, Michael Booker, Marty Booker. Yes. Was doing things. And I remember this game, the bucks go all the way down. It looks like they're going to come back. They're down by 12 and they missed the field goal. And it's, it was just like, you wanted to brag that day to your boss, but honestly I was scared to get fired because he was the biggest Chicago bear fan of all time. So I really had to be, you know, quiet that day. You know, when the Bucks scored, I kind of pumped my fist a little bit, <laughs> you know, in the corner. Most of the people there were all Bucks fans, but he was a big-time Bears fan, and I feel like if I would have pissed him off, most likely I would have went home early or possibly been fired. I will never forget that day, and he was so happy I didn't say nothing. I was like, congratulations, the Bears won. I wanted that day to end because I definitely didn't want to face him being a Bears fan, and, of course, he gave it to me. Because I told him before then, I thought the Bucks were going to beat the Bears, but it was not the Bucks year. I, now I know why. Now I know why orange is your favorite color from your days at Hooters. <laughs> staring, staring at all that booty. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Good job, Jason Powers. Appreciate that. Good stuff. <laughs> oh, uh, God. All right. 2002, the Super Bowl year for the Buccaneers. We break the curse. We break the cold weather, you know, streak. Martin Gramatica, five field goals in Chicago, late December. Bucks win 15 nothing. pitch a shutout. Ugly game, nationally televised, but you're facing the third and fourth string quarterback. And I believe at the time it was, and I'm looking here, it was Moses Moreno. Was that the quarterback for the Bears at the time? Oh, my God. If it's was Moses that, Moreno, now I know why we no, shut him out. No, it's not Moses Moreno. It was Henry Burris. Yeah, even oh, worse. Right. But, but he was nothing. But you thought at the time, Jason Powers, they had Rob Johnson starting. You're going up in a cold-weather game. Of course, the Packers lost earlier on that day to the Jets, so the Bucs had an opportunity to get a first-round bye. And you're like, there's no way, like, something bad is going to happen. But sure enough, that defense came through. The offense was ugly that game, but it was the ugliest slash prettiest win of all time because the Bucs got the first-round bye. And, of course, they got the proverbial monkey off their back and playing in cold weather. They beat the Bears in that nasty cold weather. So it was a sweet victory. And then, and then later on went on to beat Phil, you know, went to Philadelphia yep. and ended the, ended this, you know, shut down the vet in another cold, cold game. So that was a, you know, you, you knocked all the, all the, all the old history was out the door when after the, that playoff run. But think about how important that first round bye was. If you don't win that game versus the bears, who knows that Brad Johnson plays throughout the playoffs, right? He was 
suffering from an injury. This Bucks team was beaten up. They always talked about getting that first round by. And once they secured it, you felt really good about it because at the end of the day, you get that first round by and you, you don't necessarily have to play that wild card game. You don't have to play on the road. You can play at home and you get a chance to possibly host an NFC championship game, which didn't necessarily work out. Philadelphia was the, was the number one seed. So you went to Philadelphia, but you know, you got to get that number one buy to get everybody rested. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very important. You know, it's still important to this day. You know, I'm Jason. You're listening to Peter Blake. We are uh, the host here of the, no, of the no quarter given podcast on the buckpower.com uh, podcast network. Again, Fans, for all of your Buck history, whether it's Chicago Bears, New Orleans Saints, Patriots, any team in the league, buckpower.com is the place to go. Paul Stewart, the, the unofficial historian of the franchise, has an unbelievable site where you can stats, video, audio, you know, information nuggets, everything you can think about Bucks related. The history of the franchise is there. Definitely go to buckpower.com. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to him. We can't wait for him to uh, come down and meet us all for the New York Giants game and just a plethora of knowledge with this uh, you know, history of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if you mess up and you say, well, was it Moses Moreno? Was it Henry Burris? You can find out it was Henry Burris right there on BuckPower.com. Again, Paul Stewart does a hell of a job with uh, talking about Tampa Bay Buccaneer history. And he lets us come on and tell us talk about talk for him. Part of the podcast network. And the last game we want to talk about, 2011. Speaking of Paul Stewart, London, England, Wembley, the Bucks are playing. Raheem Morris, the head coach. Bucks lose 24-18 in London. It's the start of a 10-game losing streak that sees the demise of one Raheem Morris as head coach. And that year, they started out four and two, did they not? I think you're right. And I remember this because at the time I was at 10, 10 AM. I was doing a show called the sports mob. Uh, yours truly Jenna Lane. That was her first radio show. Okay. Uh, another guy by the name of Sam Oxidine, Sam, the Godfather. And I was screaming at the top of the rooftops at the top of mountains. Please let the bucks go out into free agency and spend money. And they refused to do that. We were all bought into LeGarrette Blount, which he was good the year before. You know, he was a good, he was okay, but it really ruined that part of the team because after the 10 and six, and I even talked to the late great Gino Hayes about this on the Gino Hayes show. And he said, when the Bucks didn't go after free agents, that really killed the morale of that team. And I remember it so vividly how I was hoping that this would turn around, but when it didn't, Boy, and it started with the Chicago Bears in London, and you just knew there were so many question marks. Could they do it? Could they do it again? Uh, tougher schedule. I right. felt like they missed out on an opportunity to go out in free agency. I really I think it affected it. And then on top of it, Raheem Morris eventually was fired, and you got the greatness of Greg Schiano, which wasn't great. But consequently, the very next year, they went out and splurged in free agency. We'll never forget that year because we had so many interviews with guys and they were so excited and there was some optimism. But for me, it was like, look, you missed out on an opportunity. The NFL was locked out. You had an opportunity to spend all kinds of money in free agency and the bucks refused to do it. And remember, well, remember that that was kind of the, the couple year period where there was speculation about the Glazers and Manchester United. 
about they were, you know, I won't say hemorrhaging money with them, but they were, you know, very conscious of the budget when it came to the Buccaneers because they were pumping in a bunch of money into Manchester United. So I think that was kind of the couple year period where they were pretty quiet in free agency. And then that next year when Shiano came aboard, there was probably an expectation for Shiano to take the job. Hey, if I'm going to take the job, you got to spend money. Yeah, you got to spend money. And the Glazers knew it didn't work out for them. It didn't work out with the fan support. The fans stopped uh, coming right. out here. Of course, the the waiting list that they had it dwindled down. Of course, you know, this was uh, after John Gruden being fired. You had Raheem Morris coming in. It was a rebuilding effort. But at the end of the day, when you have the tool of free agency and Mark Dominic didn't necessarily do the best job of drafting at that point, that's the reason why you have that tool. So you could basically have a Band-Aid, if you will, if you do miss out on those draft picks. And, you know, to Dominic's credit at the time when some of these players were drafted, you were like, okay, you know, maybe maybe they'll work out. They had some injury red flags that didn't necessarily work out. You know, comes to mind, Aurelius Ben as a wide receiver, had an opportunity to go out and get a wide receiver. Right. Quarterback, you went with a guy that was really young, can't think of his name. But God, he was so young and he felt bad for him because they were treating him like he was a number one or number two corner. And he just didn't cut the mustard for this defense. In fact, this defense was really bad. Right, right, right. All right. As we as we wrap it up, give me your give me your thoughts. Sunday, 425. Again, the Bucks are double digit favorites, about 12 and a half, 13 point favorites. Clearly, we're the better team. It's just a matter of, again, it's going to be a defensive effort for the Bears if they're going to stay in the game. Khalil Mack. You got Eddie Jackson, those guys you got to, you got to contain, Akeem Hicks versus Brady and the Bucks offense. How do you see the game? Bears keep it close early, but the Bucks eventually blow them out. And it's because, yeah, the defense, uh, you got one, but they're going to be on the field a long time because that offense is not going to be able to do a lot against that Bucks defense. And I get it. They're missing Richard Sherman. They're missing uh, Sean Murphy bunting, but they're going to be able to get enough pressure on a Justin Fields, and even though he can hurt you with his legs, at the end of the day, I think Matt Nagy is a dead man walking. I don't think he can put together a game plan enough uh, to go over on a Todd Bowles. I like the Bucks in this game by ten or twelve points. I do. No, I, I agree. I think the Bucks. I think you'll see the Bucks refreshed, having ten days off. You'll have a, you know, obviously they lost Sherman, but probably won't have Levante David. But you'll probably have. Gronk back. You'll probably have Winfield back. So you'll have some reinforcements, you know, starters back in the lineup. I think you'll see it again, very crisp. Antonio Brown, a huge factor in the, in the Philadelphia game. And then to me, again, it's the weapons, too many weapons for the Buccaneers. The bears are a good defense, but they play a lot of zone. If you contain, don't let Khalil Mack wreck the game, which they don't ever, you know, the Bucks do a good job offensive line wise containing the best pass rusher for the most part. Do do your thing. I think you'll see the Bucks score 30. I, I'm looking at, you know, a 34-14, 34-17 kind of game. Comfortable win for the Buccaneers. As the next week, Jameis Winston and the New Orleans Saints come to town. Ooh. And we will have that preview. Yes. On the next edition of the No Quarter Given podcast. So that'll be a doozy with Jameis coming back to town. You know, the the last game before the bye week, you know, well, lots of history. You're going to New Orleans. My mistake. You are right. Halloween. You, you are correct. My mistake. That's My mistake. Right. That's you are okay. right. That's okay, buddy. But, uh, yeah, you get to go to New Orleans for Halloween, trick or treat, and you have Jameis Winston. 
the Big Easy. We'll see if Michael Thomas plays in that game. Right. Some question of that. Of course, that would help out their offense. But, you know, you go back to it and you talk about the Chicago Bears. And, look, they may be able to keep it close because of that defense. But at the end of the day, uh, Matt Nagy and that offensive line is just terrible. There yeah, were not so good. many opportunities for that Bucks defensive line to get sacks on Hurts, and he did such a great job of escaping. I don't think Fields can do that this Sunday, so that's why I like the Bucks big. And, of course, we'll be out of Ducky Sports Lounge. Yeah. Get ready on NSPN. I love St. Pete with your pre-half and post-game additions. Yours truly, Jason Powers, the greatness of Blake Anthony, and who knows, all kinds of fans out there screaming Tampa Bay, uh, making sure that I lose my voice the next day. Hopefully not, but it'll, it should be a good time. Tell, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. I know, obviously, NSPN, you know, you're hosting your show. You just got done hosting your show tonight. Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, I mean, the sports web, it's the evolution of sports talk television live on NSPN. And, of course, I love St. Pete Tuesdays and Wednesdays, sometimes Fridays. You just never know. And, of course, live at Ducky Sports Lounge. Friend me on Facebook, Peter H. Blake. Really don't do a lot of Twitter. Uh, P Blake one zero zero three at the sports <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't really tweet at people. I'm more of a Facebook guy. I get on there. YouTube, of course, the sports web on YouTube, go and subscribe to the channel there. So again, just friend me on Facebook or look for me on YouTube and who knows, maybe Twitter too. And check out the powers on sports podcast, my podcast, other than this one, we all, we're going to be, ha- we're, we're talking NFL college football. You had, the firing of Rolovich at Washington State because he wouldn't get vaccinated. We're t- we also, um, this this episode that's coming out, will be coming out on Wednesday night, Thursday morning. We'll also have another uh, installment of our Life of the Wife series. I interview Erica Betcher, the, the wife of James Betcher, who used to be the defensive coordinator for Bruce Arians in Arizona. He's now in San Francisco as an assistant. We interview his wife, Erica, to talk about her life as the wife of James Betcher. So, Check out the Powers on Sports podcast, all of your podcast platforms. And again, Peter Blake, me and I will be, he and I will be at Duckies on Sunday. Keep up the great work, Peter. You're the man on Sundays. You run the show on Sundays, steering the ship. I try to interject some live updates about yeah. games, scores, yeah. injuries, fantasy. Yeah. We have yeah. a great, we have a great time on that Ducky. So folks, find us, subscribe, no quarter given podcast. Find us, tell your friends about us. We're here every week. And next week, the New Orleans Saints. Hopefully it's a 6-1 Buccaneer team heading to New Orleans. We'll see you next week, folks. Have a great week. Go Bucks! Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag Buccaneer foe when we come back with another no-quarter-given podcast. And make sure for the best in historical Buck coverage, you go to BuckPower.com. And as always, keep listening to the BuckPower.com Podcast Network.